Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. As I go through this life, I think most people can be split into either thinkers or doers. And I wonder which one you'd put yourself in. Uh, For me, I am 100% the latter. Uh, There are a few things more irritating to me than people who kind of just stand around talking about things but never get stuff done. Uh, For example, last year in February, before all of corona kicked off, uh, me and my colleagues were running a conference for over 100 student leaders from universities around the southeast. Uh, It was a weekend conference. We had a number of very hungry mouths to feed, and because they were students, the need for food was very intensely felt. Uh, But disaster struck one dinner time when the industrial can opener in the kitchen broke. Uh, we We had no hope. It was all gone. And so... What does one of my colleagues do? Well, as as much as I love him, he did just stand there kind of talking about the problem. Uh, He never really provided a solution, but was able to analyse it from every single angle possible. I remember saying to him, you know, know, right, that's, that's really helpful, just think the problem away. I was getting so annoyed because I knew that we needed to take action in order to open 20 cans of tinned tomatoes or fix the can opener. Something needed to be done. But... I recognise that it is often foolish just to jump straight into action. Actually, if none of us had stopped and listened and spoken through the problem first, then knowing me and my team, we probably would have started throwing the cans against a wall in an attempt to open them before going on the hunt for a bog-standard can opener. You know, we need to hear and act. The two go hand in hand. And James is here in our passage today to call the people of God into action, specifically to do what the word of God, the Bible, says. He wants us to hear it first, that's really important, and to get rid of anything in our lives that might be preventing us from doing so. But then we are to actually live out what it says. And this might sound strange and almost near impossible in yet another lockdown, But as we read the Bible for ourselves, we realise that it's not something we can merely listen to. In fact, it demands change. It demands action for us. And we are to live it out in the way we live our day-to-day lives. The word of God is full of practical ways that we are to follow. And they even give us a firm foundation when times get tough. But if we're going to live this way, then we first need to listen and we need to accept the word. That's what James tells us here. We can't live according to the word of God if we don't listen to it first. If we don't carve out time to spend in the word. And we do that as individuals. You know, we've been talking about Bible in the year at the moment. And that's a great way to spend time in the word daily. I'm doing it. I think it's brilliant and a really great way to start the day. But we also do it as community. Right now we are gathered and we're listening to the word of God together. And we do that as well in small groups. Again, to echo Debs, if you're not part of one, I'd really recommend joining. James is fully aware, though, that there are often barriers that can stop us from listening. He addresses that right at the start in verse 19. You know, we're often not quick to listen. In fact, we're quick to speak and we're quick to become angry. And so we're called here right at the start to get rid of what James labels as all moral filth that might be preventing us from listening. Now, that might be uncontrollable anger. And to emphasise here that James is talking about uncontrollable, unbridled anger. He's not anti-anger. We'll come across that a bit later. Or maybe it's a particular sin that we know is wrong, but it's preventing us from hearing hearing the word of God. 
You know, we've, we've been quick to speak. We've been quick to kind of back ourselves into a corner, justifying our sin in whatever way we can. But actually, we know it's against God and what he says in his word. But we are to get rid of it, as James calls us to here. And the way that James calls us to do that is to accept the word. If you're a follower of Jesus, then the word of God lives in you. It's there through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I know that sounds strange, but the Bible tells us that that's true. You know, we need to accept it. And that means to come under its authority, to come to God in repentance for those things that may be stopping us from hearing his word, even if that means having to sometimes swallow our pride. And so James wants his communities to listen and to listen closely, but then to take it further. So I said before, I I do work with students at the moment, but I did used to be one myself. I graduated from Exeter University in 2018, having spent three years studying theology there. Now, Exeter is notorious as a university in the UK for being one of the hardest to both study theology and be a Christian in. Uh, When I was in first year, the head of my department was a very intense atheist, and a number of my lecturers had, shall we put it, interesting views on things. Once I finished my degree and I moved home for a bit before my next adventure, I suddenly had a bit of a faith crisis. You know, I'd heard the word of God used in a variety of ways and contexts over my three years. I'd heard it preached and championed at church and then torn apart and mocked in my lecture theatres. I'd seen people live as if it was 100% true and as if it was a complete set of lies. And so I was left sitting there going, well, what do I think? What, What do I believe? Do I think any of it's true? Well, after much processing and prayer, you'll be pleased to hear I did come to the conclusion that I think it's all true. It would be slightly awkward me standing here today preaching if I didn't think that. I need time to listen and to spend time in the word of God and all of its evidence for myself and came to my own conclusions that, yeah, I do think it's all true. But I was left with the question, so what? I knew that if I believed that everything in this book is true, then it would have to change how I live. It had massive implications for who I was and my life going forward. We have to do what the word says. James can't be clearer here. We can't just simply listen to it. We have to do it to live it out. James even goes as far to say, as you deceive yourself in verse 22, if you hear the word of God, but you don't do what it says. But doing the word of God, it's it's not a burden for us. It's not something that is filled with rules and regulations. But James calls us to it because he knows it's the best thing possible for us and for the world around us. When we read the Bible for ourselves, we find that it's full of um, kind of action points, if you want to put it in corporate language, for how we should live our lives and live as followers of Jesus. But how, how do you feel about this? You might be sitting there thinking to yourself, Alyssa, this is all very good and well. But James is writing to a group of believers in first century Palestine. I am living in 21st century Reading in the midst of a global pandemic in what feels like the millionth lockdown. How on earth do we still do the word of God today? How does it apply? Well, it firstly applies because the word of God is eternal. God is eternal and so is his word. Yes, following Jesus for us today looks very different to how it did for those first communities, but the same basic principles still apply. We, using the power and the wisdom that the Holy Spirit brings, are still called to do what the word says here and now. As David mentioned last week, uh, one of James's key source materials for his books is Jesus's Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 to 7. 
And those three chapters are filled with the brim on directions on how we should live as Jesus' followers. Jesus tells us how to deal with our anger, how to pray, what it looks like to do good, what our attitude towards our money should be, how we deal with the uncertainty of the future, and so much more. His teachings are deeply practical and are possible to still live out. And James picks up on some key themes from the Sermon on the Mount that he explores here. Firstly, in verse 26, we are to keep a tight rein on our tongues. We are to watch our speech. We're going to be going deeper into James's teaching on speech in a few weeks' time, so I'm not going to go too much into it now. But our speech does betray a lot about the conditions of our hearts and our attitudes towards ourselves, towards others, and towards God. And so I want to challenge you on your speech. Are you speaking words of life and blessing to people around you? Are the words that you speak over yourself the same word that God speaks over you? How are you responding when that co-worker starts mouthing off somebody else behind their back in front of you? How do you respond with your speech? James is pretty blunt with his communities here, even calling their faith worthless if they can't rein in their tongues. And then James ends his passage today in verse 27 with the two things that God accepts as pure and faultless. The first one of these is to look after widows and orphans in their distress, a call to social justice, to serve others in their difficulties despite our own. You know, the communities that James is writing to here are facing famine and persecution, but they're still called to seek justice. They're still called to this. And we know that God's heart is for the vulnerable. Uh, the idea of helping widows and orphans in particular is a repetition of the themes found in the first chapter of Isaiah, a book we are all as a church very familiar with now. Even well before Jesus is around, God's call for his people in chapter 1, verse 17, is learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. The call here is to social justice, to defend and help those who are most vulnerable in our society. As we do that, we reflect some of the heart of our Father God and capture his love for those who are at the bottom of the social pile. We reflect his coming kingdom where every need is met and pain and suffering are no more. And similarly to James's communities, that call for us hasn't changed now we're back in lockdown again. Right now, we know actually that in lockdown, those social needs are felt so much more intensely. I know many of you were and still are involved with Love Your Neighbour, you know, providing shopping for self-isolating friends and neighbours, helping at food banks if you're able to physically get to one, befriending elderly members of, of our communities who may otherwise have no one else to talk to. So keep going, keep finding those ways to fulfil that call to social justice, even if you can't leave your house. Keep finding those opportunities to help the most vulnerable in their distress. And the final call that, Joy, that James picks up on here is to keep oneself from being polluted to, by the world, a call to holiness. And we see this as a theme throughout the Bible and particularly in the New Testament, a call to live distinctive lives that are in the world, but not of the world. Jesus tells the crowd again in the Sermon on the Mount that they are to be salt and light to the world around them to live distinctive lives that are in the world but are noticeable for being different and to shine the light of the kingdom to those around them. And now this is not an easy call. I'm not pretending that holiness is an easy thing. We live in this world and its temptations and noise and distractions are so loud. But if we accept the word and hear what it says, then it gives us the direction on how to do that. 
to live distinctively in our workplaces, families, schools, universities, whatever it might be. But again, lockdown. It seems like we're actually just in our homes and not in the world. You know, we're safe from being polluted. We're not going into our workplaces or anything, so it's, it's all right. But I want, you, want to challenge you to think then, particularly about your time, your free time. How are you spending your free time in lockdown at the moment? What are we watching, listening to, reading? Actually, is it making us more like Jesus or more like the world? You know, what would it look like maybe for us to be spending less time on Netflix and more time in the presence of Jesus at the moment? You know, some of us might, be, have, might have a lot of free time on our hands, some of us might not, and I get that. But maybe this is a great opportunity to put in some rhythms and practices, things like prayer and reading our Bibles daily, that change and transform us so that when things do open up again, people might notice something different about us. They might think we've changed over lockdown because we have. We've spent time in Jesus' presence and that ultimately that we live distinctive kingdom lives that will spark kingdom curiosity in other people. To go back to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus ends his teachings there with the parable of the wise and the foolish builders. The story of two men, one who built his house on the rock and the other who built it on the sand. And what happens to both those houses when storms hit? Jesus tells the crowd that if they listen to his teachings but don't put them into action, then they are like the man who built his house on the sand. That when the storms of life come, their lives will fall apart quickly because they don't have a firm foundation. But if we build our lives on Jesus' teachings and put them into action like James is calling us to here, then we're like the man who built his house on a rock. By doing what the word of God says, we build our lives on Jesus. We have a firm foundation when troubles come because our lives are built on him and not on ourselves. Our faith is no longer just a thought practice or something we continually think about and only lives inside our heads, but is how we live. You know, Jesus ultimately lived the perfect human life. He knows how to live the way we were designed to be, to live in a close, intimate relationship with our Father God that glorifies him and brings more and more of his kingdom to earth. So it makes sense to listen to and put Jesus' teachings into practice. He knows how to live. And because of his death and resurrection, we have the freedom to do that, to live in that close, intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father to live a human life in line with Jesus's and live it to the full. To put it in the words of one of my favorite pastors, John Mark Homer, the hard truth is that following Jesus is something you do, a practice as much as a faith. You know, the teachings of Jesus and the word of God are not just nice fairy tales that we can tell ourselves to get to sleep at night. We are to practice them, to do them, to live them out. God calls us to obedience to him and his word because he knows that living for him is the best thing possible for us and for the world around us. He also equips us to do that. We have the Holy Spirit as our guide and as our helper. And Peter tells us in 2 Peter 1 that God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. It is possible and it is doable in this day and age. And ultimately, to go back to James, he tells us in verse 25 that we will be blessed in whatever we do if we continue in God's word. He blesses our obedience to it. So to go right back, yes, it is so important that we hear and we listen to the word of God first. But it is vital that we don't stop there. 
You know, if we sit in our armchairs studying until we can refute every argument against Christianity or we have the entire Bible memorized, but we don't live lives that reflect it, then what's the point? Now, don't get me wrong, I have nothing against studying. As I said, I'm a theology graduate. It's what I love. It's right and it has its place. But I want to emphasize what James is saying here. Don't deceive yourselves. Do what the word of God says. Take those steps to remove all that moral filth, if need be, that might prevent you from hearing it in all its fullness, and then live it out. To land on verse 25, when we do the word of God, we ultimately find freedom and we find blessing, particularly when those hard times come. Because we've put the word into practice, it is our firm foundation. We can face those storms of life.